Hello, friends, and welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And today we're going to be running through why it takes more than one cycle to actually achieve your fat loss goals. But first, if you are a new listener, two main things we hit on in this podcast, health and fitness and our business or business in general. So health and fitness side of things, our job with SD Evolution is essentially to filter through the bullshit and teach you maintainable habits that you can apply for the rest of your life so you're not jumping from fad diet and fad training program on to the next one, on to the next one. Uh, so that's similar to what we do on this podcast. We break these things down, explain things you can implement into your lifestyle, and start making healthy changes today. Same kind of concept on the business side of things. As I just mentioned, we run SD Evolution, the online health coaching company, as well as Fit Coach Pro, which is the software we use for the health coaching. Uh, we lease that to other coaches. So interesting perspective on the business side. We are not at the top of the food chain by any means, but we have had a lot of success. So just sharing some little tidbits um, that you can hopefully apply, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're working for someone else, just trying to climb that ladder, um, or just little basic life principles you can pull from the business side and into elevating everything else going on within your life. So we try to keep this pretty general, but um, within those two those two concepts. If you're a returning listener, as always, we repre- we appreciate the uh, the reviews. Leave us a quick five star if you don't feel like writing something up, but anything you can write is greatly appreciated and we love you guys for it. So let's dive in. You want to start with an update? Do a quick little update on what we've been doing and run through uh, because we're going to apply the we're going to apply these diet things. It's when we talk about things we're doing in our current protocol. Lead the way because I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Just update. So I think I've kind of mentioned before or I'll start with this. So we say this all the time with with our clients and prospective clients is that there's a thousand different ways to get the same end result. And there are some basic underlying principles that you can apply in any variety of ways. So if you're eating healthy, you're obviously op- you're optimizing and prioritizing calories, I'm sorry, nutrients per calorie. And then on the training side, just busting your ass. So working as hard as you can, uh, more and more is coming out where it's less important specifically what you're doing if you're talking about like rep ranges or you know things like that as long as you're at that very high intensity level you're going to build muscle you're going to change your body composition things are going to feel good be a little more specific about that because that was a big thing recently in our field so brad schoenfeld he does a lot of research on hypertrophy and just gaining muscle in general and i mean when we started as trainers like way back we're talking 10 plus years ago at this point, we always thought that the lower rep ranges, less than five reps, were to get increased strength. And then hypertrophy was sort of the middle middle Six ground to here. 15. Six to 15. And then 15 plus reps were endurance. And that's really, you know, how we would construct programs um, and, you know, go about specific goals in that sense for a lot of our clients for ourselves and the recent research shows that it really you can do any of those rep ranges and still achieve a muscle building state from those so I just think it's interesting and a great reminder that our field is always changing and it's important to number one stay up on the current research but like we always tell you guys you have to be your own experiment too because sometimes the the research in the field that we're in isn't quite caught up with what people are doing and, and it also seems to change and rotate and they discover yes. something new based on a new study so again that's why we say experiment with yourself and do what actually works because what the research was telling us 10 years ago was you're going to get stronger from three to five reps but you're not necessarily going to build muscle now magically we are building muscle at three to five reps 
or 15 reps or 20 reps or 30 reps, which is difficult to reach the actual intensity level needed, but it's possible. So when we talk about intensity level, it's not just, oh, this burns, this hurts, it's hard. <clears throat> it's how far are you from failure? And that sweet spot is one to four reps from absolute failure, meaning you cannot do another or you're within that range. Um, so if you're at the one, you couldn't do two more reps with good form if your life depended on it. So, so that's absolute failure. For a beginner lifter, I had this question on my um, little Instagram Q&A yesterday. Let's say someone doesn't really know what that even is for them. What would you suggest that they do as far as figuring that out and getting used to knowing what failure is and how to be one or two reps short of that? Either grab a lifting buddy so they can spot you or set your safety bars if it's you know a compound lift, obviously. If you're doing curls, just do the fucking curls. Trap them. <laughs> um, but you got to take a set to failure. You have to understand what failure actually feels like because you can get very close to failure for four more reps, especially on squat. We get very overexerted during a squat and tired and our, you know, we get out of breath, yada, yada, yada. And you can stop literally seven or eight reps short of failure on a squat and think that was a hard set. And in actuality, you're nowhere near failure and you're not progressing nearly as efficiently as you should be because you're nowhere near failure. I think that's why powerlifting was so impactful for me because I didn't really see, I mean, I saw some progress before I started powerlifting, but I saw immense and like just crazy progress when I started doing powerlifting. And I think it was just because that forced me to figure out what my true failure was. I was working closer to my one rep max ranges and it was a, just a great practice to get, to push myself and actually realize that I was actually really strong. And that's a lot of you guys out there. Like a lot of you aren't pushing yourself to the extent that you could be because you just don't know what that level feels like. So definitely take Josh's advice there as far as figuring out what true fail failure looks like for you. And that was even something that one of our um, SDE Method app members brought up to me. She damned me yesterday. She was asking about physique versus build. And on paper, you can gain muscle and get stronger from both of those programs. So she said she felt she's been doing build for a long time and she felt like she wanted to switch to physique to actually challenge herself with the lifts and start building more muscle. So I kind of reminded her that you can still do that with build. A lot of the compound movements I put in build are five, six reps. So you should still be focusing on challenging yourself within that. It's just a little bit of a different setup as far as ex exercise selection, the days and the split we have it set up with. So regardless of what program you're doing, hopefully it's a pretty decent program at least, you can still see progress, but your intensity and how much you're pushing yourself matters. Absolutely. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think the biggest difference in what I've seen in the gym as far as progress is less related to hormone levels. It's less related to like how I've been eating. I think it's more directly related to the intensity level with, I, with which I trained. So first of all, not that I'm condoning this, but I was all hopped up on pre-workout. Like I would take the max dose plus a cup of coffee like every single time. But the more important factor that you can actually implement and not do that dumbass route would be a training partner. So it was always two, three, four of us. Sometimes we had an entire group in there lifting together, even if we were on different parts, just hyping each other up. And you were always going to failure or very close to failure. And obviously we don't want to take every failure, every set to failure. But the point is the intensity level was there and the progression was there because of that. So if you guys feel hung up and you're looking for the next quick fix and, oh, I need to change my program or I need to find this new supplement, 
look at how hard you're training. Are you tired when you go into that training session? Are you giving it everything you actually have or are you going through the motions? Because if you're going through the motions, it can still feel like a semi-difficult workout, but you are not progressing. You're burning some calories, you're improving overall health by doing that movement and elevating your heart rate, but you're not changing your body composition and you are not getting stronger, so you're not progressing strength-wise unless you are reaching those intensity levels. So that's a quick reality check. It's something that I've really been asking myself, am I training as hard as I should be? And another plug for this mindfulness stuff, it's the reason I'm, or it's a another benefit I'm taking from meditation and from the ice baths and from the sauna is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. You guys hear that in a very generic sense, but it's applicable to almost everything in your life. Get comfortable being uncomfortable and realize those benefits. By doing the ice bath, by breathing through that discomfort, I am comfortable being uncomfortable. So when I go into my workout, the set starts getting hard or I don't feel like doing my last set of squats. I'm doing it anyway and I'm pushing myself as hard as I fucking can because I have adapted mentally to be able to endure that. So physically, it's always been there. Mentally, I just don't feel like it. Now I'm training that mental side of things. We're applying that different approach. And now physically, I can take things to another level. Yeah, it plays a huge role. And those of you who either work with us with coaching or are part of the app, you know how much we harp on mindset and how much we want you guys to improve that side of things because that's the key to changing now, but also keeping that change and sustaining that change later. So we kind of got off on a little tangent. Um, You were updating them about what we're doing. Well, that's part of it. I think, you know, going through, I'm on Physique Plus, that's that's my program in the app, Um, and just making sure I'm busting my ass within that. So being consistent, pushing yourself, those are the two keys to, to seeing progression. So that's what's really forcing adaptations within your body is actual progression in the gym and consistency with a specific program. So not changing workouts every time you see a new swipe through, but being consistent with the program so you can realize progressive overload over time. Building muscle, burning fat, improving body comp overall, increasing energy and performance, all those good things we're looking for. On the nutrition side of things, I've been playing with, I think we talked about this a little while ago, probably a month or so ago. Um, I'm not calling it intermittent fasting, but eating windows. So eating at different times, um, upping my fats, reducing my carbs, and when I say that, I'm not talking about keto. I'm still consuming 300 carbs a day. Um, but I've dropped that from what could be four or 500 carbs and put those calories into fats because I just find I'm very sluggish when I'm at that high of a, a carb threshold. And also, it's much easier to consume processed carbs to get, that, to get those numbers in than it is to do rice and sweet potatoes and you know some fruits, obviously. Um, so shifting that into fats, I felt really, really good with overall digestion has improved. I wanted to see how big of a factor the eating window was, how much that component played a role in how good I've been feeling and digestion and overall, you know, even sleeping. Um, so today was my first day eating before 10 o'clock. And again, this is one day could have been a variety of factors, but I immediately felt super sluggish after I ate and it wasn't a big meal. It was a protein shake and two pieces of Ezekiel bread. Um, and then I had my coffee. So sluggish, bloated, really bad heartburn. Three things I noticed on day one. Um, the workout was fine. Felt good in my workout. Um, I don't know if that was cause I, I bumped up more caffeine. I, I usually do like a, when I'm fasted, I'll do EAAs and, um, and creatine. So there's like 50 milligrams of caffeine in those EAAs. So today I had a double espresso in a cup of coffee with oat milk and obviously that's way more 
ca uh, caffeine. So could have played a role. Obviously, the carbs play a role, but I'm going to probably go right back to that window tomorrow and just maybe up the, the caffeine a little bit and see what that comparison looked like. But right off the bat, just feeling sluggish. That's something I've dealt with for a long time. So very eye opening that, you know, shortening or widening that window again, eating earlier immediately played a, played a role. And then the heartburn. I haven't been dealing with heartburn in a very long time. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. So as far as my little update, I guess, um, nutrition, I'm still mindfully eating. I'm not tracking right now. I haven't been probably for a year, close to a year. I mean, I've tracked days here and there throughout the last year, but I've just gotten to a place where, you know, I'm confident and capable of eating well without tracking. I've maintained weight overall in the last year. Um, so that's going well. I noticed I am leaning more towards the higher fat foods too. And I don't know if that's just naturally because that's what you're eating. Um, some of the meat, I mean, we're eating more steak regularly. I eat lots of avocado, just naturally gravitating towards that. Um, and I would say a little bit more intentionally gravitating towards that too, just because healthy fats are required for your hormones. And obviously you guys know we are trying to conceive. So, um, bumped those up a little bit. I wasn't under eating fats by any means, but just eating more fats from whole food sources. Um, and I feel good. So I'm just going to continue focusing on maintaining that side of things with nutrition. And then training has been the most consistent. It's been within the last three months, really, ironically, since I started the cold showers and ice baths regularly. So still doing my daily cold shower. I probably have missed a handful of days in the last three and a half months now. Something I've foreseen myself doing forever. But like Josh said, it just sort of really pushed me to step it up, get uncomfortable, um, focus on everything I can possibly focus on right now for my health and hope that it pays off for getting pregnant soon. But, um, yeah, overall I'm feeling really good and just in a good place physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. So just proof that when you place intention upon these things, it really does make a big difference. And I feel like for me, prior to the last three months, you know, we were sort of stuck in limbo for so long between waiting for our house, between trying to really push and focus on getting pregnant and have a baby, the two losses that we had. So I sort of just let myself get complacent in that window of waiting. But that one day of Josh pushing me to take the cold shower really just impacted and started a trajectory of all of this. And I just feel so much better. So that's my update, but let's hop into what we are talking about today. So why you won't achieve your fat loss goals after one cycle of dieting. And I think this topic comes up unintentionally, but a lot because it's something that a lot of people just sort of have come to expect or think is something that is achievable. And it's just not the case for the majority of humans out there. If you have goals of fat loss and Unless you're already in a pretty pretty lean state, it's likely going to take more than one phase of dieting. We're going to talk about the different phases of dieting. We're going to talk about how long a phase should be. Um, all of these things, these are common questions that come up. So let's just go through the phases of dieting first, kind of just briefly explain those because we have other podcasts going into those more in depth, but... A new client comes to us, they want to lose fat. This is probably 90% of the people who come to us with goals. Um, 
let's walk through what we do as far as setting up a client in who has that goal and what the process looks like. Well, first it's analyzing what they've been doing prior to coming to us. So if they've been consuming a thousand calories, 1200, 1300 calories for the last year plus 1500, that's too low, even 1500. So it's just not feasible to start with a cut because you're already at the lowest threshold or lower than the lowest threshold we would ever be in a cut. So step one is to rebalance everything via reverse diet, getting your calories up to an adequate amount. Um, from there, you know, we're looking at about three months, maybe longer, depending on how long you've been in that and how, uh, how long you've been in that ridiculous deficit and, uh, and how you're responding during the reverse diet, how high we've been able to get your calories and for how long. So, and what biofeedback is exactly. looking like. Well, that's what I mean as far as how you're responding. So that's typically just a general baseline three months. And from there we can begin discussing a potential cut, but oftentimes you might already be seeing improvements in body composition. So when that happens, your eyes are opened and it's like, Hey, if I can improve body comp by adding muscle rather than focusing on losing more fat, why don't we pursue this a little further? So oftentimes they'll come for fat loss, we'll start with a reverse diet and scale that into a lean bulk. So get their calories up and maybe we transition that during, you know, month two of actually further increasing calories. So we can focus a little more on adding muscle. So that can be, you know, again, we, we typically use three months as a baseline for a lot of these phases, but you can typically stretch a lean bulk a little bit further. Um, I'll as preface, well as a reverse diet. Right, and I'll preface the bulk thing with maybe you take a week or two or a little longer at maintenance or slightly below maintenance to keep your body resensitize your body, keep it sensitive to muscle growth. So we tend to kind of level things out going up and down around the three-month mark. But again, this is all super personal, so keeping it very general Again, we're looking at around three months. So four phases of dieting to sum that up. We have fat loss, maintenance, a reverse diet, and then a bulk phase or gaining phase. And not every person will necessarily go through all four of those phases, but something that everybody should be focusing on at the very least is spending adequate time at maintenance. And that could be before you start a fat loss phase. That could be after a fat loss phase, after a reverse diet. There is such power in hanging out at maintenance for an extended period of time because that's really where you start to feel good and I'm speaking from experience here I'm speaking from you know bringing now hundreds if not thousands of clients through all these phases of dieting that's the sweet spot that's where biofeedback is thriving that's where you're eating enough to to fuel your body and feel good and you have a little bit more flexibility to enjoy just life in general and you can still see really great progress with muscle gain at maintenance you could still experience body composition shifts at maintenance so don't sleep on maintenance um this isn't what we're going to talk about this whole podcast but i thought that was a very important point to highlight people take maintenance phases for granted because they think it's time off from working towards a goal so that's the first thing i explain to clients when we do transition into a maintenance phase is hey we're not letting off on the reins like we're still dialing it in i don't want to see your numbers be more flexible during this period than they already are i want to see you on point with this because if you do this the right way you might want to stay here a lot longer than you initially thought you were because you feel really really good you know, you're maintaining, your body wants to maintain. That's part of why you feel really good. It doesn't have to adapt to anything. It feels good at maintenance. Um, and you can see those body comp changes by pushing yourself in the training. Everything we just talked about earlier is super applicable, especially during this maintenance phase. Maintain weight, increase strength over time, improve body composition as a result. I think that's a really good point to bring up too, because 
every so often we'll have a client who will be in an okay place to enter fat loss. Maybe we finally enter a fat loss phase after a while. We complete the cut phase. They're feeling good and then they like peace out and go on their own. And then a few months later, six months later, they come back and they weren't able to sustain that progress. So I want to highlight and really just put emphasis on the fact that there is such value in having a coach in a maintenance phase, kind of like what Josh just touched on, but there's so many other things we could be focusing on during that phase too, is like improving your daily habits, your biofeedback, your overall movement. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And that's really a great time to focus on your training and really put emphasis on all of the other goals that you have aside from fat loss. So just wanted to highlight that. But let's dive into this is like the golden question lately on social media. How long sh- should a diet phase be? We did briefly touch on this. There is no magic number. We've had clients, I would say we've done like mini cut phases. So those usually last anywhere from like six to eight weeks or so. And then we've had clients who were in extended dieting phases who took a slower approach or, you know, maybe some things came up in their life that made it drag on a little bit longer, um, upwards of 12, 16, sometimes a little bit longer than that week. So it really does depend on how adherent you are, how consistent you're being. Um, because let's face it too, you could be in a diet phase and be focusing on fat loss and have the first six weeks you're you're not adherent or consistent you can't count those towards your diet phase so you really have to be adherent and think about how many weeks you've actually been consistent um but it really does depend on what biofeedback's doing how your progress is going how low we have to get calories so i'm gonna jump in right there because that's what i was waiting for so when we talk about how low your calories have gotten, we also discuss with clients the objective is to make as few adjustments as possible. So I've had clients go through three months straight with one adjustment because they were completely on yep. point. They killed it in their training. They actually got stronger during the cut as they lost weight and improved body composition. They got stronger. If you can do that, that's the perfect scenario. That's the ideal scenario. So for myself personally, I tend to lose weight easier than I gain weight. And I know a lot of people might be in that category, especially males. Um, so we're not rushing to slash calories just to be more aggressive. Oh, I'm losing a pound a week or a pound and a half a week. If I double my deficit, I can lose even faster. Well, now you're losing muscle, but point being, if you can, let's say context wise, I start a cut at 3000 calories. My second adjustment is down 2,800. I still feel really good. I'm still crushing it in the gym. I can ride that out a whole lot longer. And if biofeedback is holding up well, and you still have a ton of calories, 2,800 is objectively quite a bit you can go probably beyond those three months because you aren't slashing your body's not compromised in any way and you're continuing to thrive in all areas so arguably you're in a slight deficit at maintenance improving body composition a lot of times you will see weight continue to drop again that's subjective to each individual person but the higher you can keep your your calories the better and that will often allow you to extend a little bit longer yeah and you kind of touched on the next question which is what are we looking for as coaches as far as tracking fat loss? Like what should the rate, what is the rate, at what rate does fat loss occur? An efficient rate is about 1% of body weight per week. And somebody will likely ask you, why can't they lose more? You just briefly said, because you will then lose muscle mass. You can lose as much weight as you want, but you're, you're going to feel muscle like and shit. <laughs> decrease. How, or I don't know if this is the right term, but your body composition is worse. You're going to look worse. You're going to feel worse. You're not 
improving your rate, rate of return, the ROI, return on your investment, you are making yourself feel worse and actually look worse physically. And it's going to be much harder to adhere to a really steep deficit right off the bat like that, especially, you know, consistency and adherence are the two most important things when it comes to seeing fat loss progress. And if you, let's say you slash like 600 calories right off the bat, that you're going to be starving. Your energy is going to be low. And because of those things that are happening, sleep will probably be off, stress will be high. You're going to want to eat food and whatever food is readily available. So the the chances of you binging on food go up, the chances of you overeating when you do have a untracked meal go up. So you have to think about all of this from that bigger picture perspective because it's not just about how much weight can I lose and how fast can I lose it. It's how can I lose this weight sustainably and sustain that progress for the long term while feeling my best so don't aim for anything faster than that moral of the story next question how to know when you should end a diet phase and move to maintenance for a bit or reverse diet if you like dog duty or weight loss has plateaued at a very low number of calories when i say dog duty i'm talking about biofeedback so you're sleeping poorly you're very hungry all the time. You're irritable, low energy levels. You're just not thriving in life. Hangry. So you're hangry. Yep. So that isn't a prerequisite to just being in a deficit. Like you don't, you shouldn't feel like that at any point in time. So for those of you who have normalized that, it is is not normal. Um, so that's cue number one. Cue number two is you've got your calories down pretty low um, and you've been in a deficit for three months. So typically we'll use that as a hard cutoff date. And even if it's just three weeks of maintenance because you're still feeling pretty decent, I'm fine with that. We can go back into a deficit. But we'll typically hit the uh, hit the hit pull the plug at three months in that situation. So let's say you get to your three months. Maybe you come up to maintenance for a couple of weeks or you stay there for a few more months. When When is a good time to restart? Like when do you enter another cut phase after that? What would be the most optimal way to do that? Just depends kind of on what I just said. So if you have calories up at a reasonable amount and you just did a quick pause at that three month mark to bring yourself up to maintenance for a few weeks you can jump right back in there um, if you've been struggling for a while plat- or progress was plateaued for a decent amount of time you did not respond well at fairly low calories that's when it's time to shift gears you're going to do a reverse diet from that point um, work your calories up to a decent amount and then maintain that for a while let your body settle back in Establish that as a set point. Um, set point being specific thresholds that you either lose weight, maintain weight, or gain weight at. The trick with that is it doesn't always necessarily change as significantly as you think it should. So let's say you finish a cut at 1,500 calories. That's where you stopped losing weight, right? So we're maintaining that for, for this point. So you work that maintenance number up to even 2,000, 2,200, 2,500 calories. That doesn't mean that you're now losing weight at 2,000 calories necessarily. Some people it does. Some people it is a little more fluid. But a lot of people, your initial set point for weight loss, say it was at 1,700, even though you just finished a reverse diet at 2,500, you're still gonna have to get down to 1,700. That doesn't mean jump right to it. Obviously, we want to we test different thresholds to see if that moved and if we can spark weight loss prior to that. But don't get frustrated because your body might just have that as a very sturdy set point. Yeah, I think that's a common thing that a lot of coaches get incorrectly about reverse dieting or just people believe about reverse dieting is that 
they can get up so high so that the next cut phase becomes a little bit easier because they can diet down on more food. But that that is not always the case. Um, and you guys have to remember too, when you enter a deficit, that's a huge stress on your body. Even if you're feeling good, under eating at any amount is a stress on your body. So you sort of have to figure or take into account what your overall lifestyle looks like too. Like, are you in a super stressful season at work? Um, is it the holidays and that always brings about a lot of stress around your family? Like you have to weigh in what's going on in your life at the same time and sort of plan out when the optimal phase or when the optimal time is to enter a diet phase throughout the year. So something that we do with with every client of ours is we sort of map out a timeline of if we can the whole year ahead to sort of let them know, okay, we're going to aim for a cut phase during this time. And this is it's fluid, it can change, but it sort of gives you the bigger picture view of what you're going to be focusing on and you can plan to enter a reverse or enter a fat loss phase at the right times that sort of makes sense for your lifestyle. Okay, different ways to enter a deficit. So you guys hear us talk about all the time that there's not one right way to do things, especially when it comes to your health and your training and your nutrition. There, it's not just you enter a calorie deficit and you have to be in that deficit every day. There's different things like refeeds, um, the matador study, diet breaks that you can implement and are going to shift from person to person as far as what we do. But there are different routes that you can take to enter the deficit. So let's kind of dive into a couple of examples of just, you know, how we can approach a deficit for a client. Yeah, step one is figuring out where you're maintaining. So easy example, you're maintaining at 2,000 calories right now. Our first checkpoint might be 1,750. So we'll drop that down, see how you respond. Um, typically keeping activity levels the same so we can see strictly based on calories where can we start this. So if you're maintaining at the 1,750, we can then make another drop or we can talk about additional cardio and additional training day a different uh, you know activity stimulus so that's the most basic form you have now entered a deficit you're losing weight by reducing calories and or increasing activity um, but like you said there's a, a ton of different avenues you can take from that point so just to give you a totally off chart option that most people probably don't utilize um, if you're totally hung up one thing that i've implemented kind of as an experiment was a two week on two week off kind of deal. So a, a self study with one of my clients who was having a, a difficult time. Um, I read up a little bit of research on it and it, it can be pretty beneficial for those who are kind of hung up. So an aggressive cut, that doesn't mean slashing your calories, but a little more aggressive, three, four, 500 calorie deficit for two weeks, followed by two weeks of maintenance. So you're essentially in a deficit for two weeks, you're at maintenance for two weeks, deficit for two weeks, maintenance for two weeks. And the concept with this is you are able to be consistently adherent for those two weeks that are more aggressive, knowing there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And your body also gets a chance to come up for air every two weeks at maintenance calories. Yeah, mindset plays a huge role here. So if you know, okay, I can I can under eat and be at this lower intake for two weeks and then I get a little break, quote unquote, and I can have a little bit more flexibility with my meals and my food, still having to be consistent and be at that maintenance intake, but it sort of just is a way to keep you going and give you those little breaks when you need them. So there are many, many different routes you can take as far as implementing refeeds or, you know, some people thrive on having lower calories on the weekdays and then having them slightly higher on the weekends. And again, this isn't restrict, restrict, restrict hard during the week so that you can overeat on the weekends. It's coming a little bit, um, 
coming in a little bit more strictly during the week so you have a little bit more wiggle room. Your mindset and your perspective of how these things are approached and handled matters greatly. And that brings me to our next point too is you have to set expectations for yourself when it comes to your fat loss phase. So the title of this episode is, you know, not expecting to meet your fat loss goals in 12 weeks. If you go into it expecting that, of course you're going to be disappointed and frustrated when those 12 weeks is up and you haven't gotten there yet. So if you are working with a coach and you're you're clear on what those expectations are, what we're looking for here as far as the rate of fat loss and all of that, you're going to feel really good when you finish whether it's 12 weeks, a little bit shorter or a little bit longer, regardless of what that actual scale number or progress is. And a big part of that as well is the goalposts are moving all the time. So you might think your goal is 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds down. It might actually be five pounds. It might actually be 10 pounds. It might actually be 50 pounds. So you're going to see based on how you feel and how you look, you know, you know what was actually changing physically, where the end point actually is. So let's say you go through your 12 weeks, your goal is 15 pounds. You actually lost those 15 pounds. That doesn't mean you're happy with where you're at right there. So understanding this is a long-term game, understanding that those goalposts move and our job is to complete this objective in the next 90 days. And once that happens, we'll reevaluate and make sure that the next step takes us even farther. And that's a trap that I've fallen in as well. I was My goal, this was probably eight years ago, uh, was to drop... 15 or 20 pounds. I forget what the actual goal was. Um, but I went from 227 down to 207 and I was nowhere near where I wanted to be. So I'd lost another 10, another 10 and went all the way down to 177 pounds, which is the lightest I had been in literally since junior year of high school. Had no intentions of doing that, but I just was not happy with body composition. I did not think I had that much fluff to carve off. Um, so what originally seemed like a 20 pound goal ended up being a 50 pound objective. So that being said, seeing progress, taking everything in context and viewing it objectively and understanding that this is a longer term game is going to allow you to keep your head level rather than being extremely frustrated when you reach or don't reach what you've laid out and then quitting altogether. And that comes back around to enjoying the journey, understanding that if you embrace happiness and work on your mindset and work on improving your relationship to food and exercise and just your health in general now, not to say it doesn't matter if you get to those goals because your goals are important, but the issue I have with that is a lot of people are, are out there thinking that once they've reached their goals, then they will be happy. That's the opposite. It's not, you're not going to magically just become happy once you get there and a lot of people find that out the hard way, but it's true. I mean, you can have and achieve the perfect body, quote unquote, in your mind, but if you hadn't been working on embracing the journey, improving your mindset, and focusing on all these other aspects of your health during that process, you're going to be just as miserable as you were 20, 30, 50 pounds heavier. So just another perspective to throw out there. That's, and that's literally what we teach our clients within that mindset pillar. So the five pillars of the SDE method, training, nutrition, mindset, movement, habits, that mindset is appreciating where you are right now, enjoying where you are, loving yourself, loving your body where you are right now while striving to reach your goals, while improving. So it's not waiting to be happy. It's being happy now as we continue to work towards progression. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's something you have to work towards as far as embracing your current self and your current body. But again, it's something we walk 
tons of clients through and a lot of you guys are in the same boat as far as you know picking yourself apart and not being truly happy where you are right now so that's what we're all about that's gonna wrap up this topic in this podcast here um if you guys have any questions feel free to message josh and i on instagram our dms are open we're always taking requests for the podcast too so if you have something you want us to talk about feel free to reach out i guess i'll ask you where can i find you at Josh Skutnik. I'm at Alessandra Skutnik, and our business page is at SD underscore evolution. Everything is linked in the show notes, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Mm-hmm.